you're listening to Local Music Live here on Midtown Radio. My name is Matt Rappelt, and I'm chatting with Sincere here at Counterpoint Brewing. I first want to know the name, Sincere. Actually, there's kind of two, it's a two-part name. Um, my cousin, who unfortunately can't pay attention because he's serving some time, but um, his name before he went in was Sincere Stunta Ali. His last name is Ali, so Sincere Stunta was technically his name that he went by a stage name. So I took the Sincere part because him and I were really close. And I was like, I kind of want him to come along with me since he no longer can. And then the other half is I flipped the spelling of it because it's put sin and then seer, so a seer of sin, but not necessarily one who can see all bad, but one who can reflect on oneself and then learn how to see the different things that he's done wrong and come away and come into a new light from the things in his sinful ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I was wondering if there was like a bit of a religious aspect to it, because for people who are, who are just listening to it, who haven't checked out Sincere's music, first of all, make sure you do that. <laughs> and when you're looking for it, you'll have to type in S-I-N-S-E-E-R, yes. Sincere. And so I was wondering if there was sort of like a deeper connotation to it or if it was just a play off the... No, no, no. There's definitely 100% a religious aspect. I grew up in the church. As I said, I was in several church plays. My dad actually is a reverend, retired reverend now, actually. So when he heard the name, he wasn't fond of it because he Uh, took the very definite name of what a seer is. And that's technically part of the satanic realm. Okay. But I was using it for more of my personal journey, which he understood, but he still didn't stand by it. So the religious aspect of it, I'm kind of still conflicting with it. I'm not sure if there's a name change coming, but for what my music represents now, it still sticks. So I really like it. I like the name a lot. And it seems like it embodies that sort of intentionality that you exemplify in other aspects of your, your artist persona. Absolutely. I was taking a look on Spotify, and I think you, you wrote in your bio um, that you uh, are a humanitarian raised on nerd foundations with an artistic craft for penmanship. So let's maybe like segment that, go through it just a little bit. Because, I mean, I read that. I'm like, oh, there's so much in there. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so the humanitarian aspect. Uh, I love humanity, man. Um, grew up. I'm just a people person. I'm quite the chameleon social butterfly. I used to be way more out in the open party scene and stuff like that. I grew up just a screw up pretty much. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess the humanitarian side come into you know, learning things about yourself and it's the whole self-reflection journey. You can't heal from the things of your sinful ways if you don't actually pay attention to it. And I guess doing that kind of opened my eyes and different relationships that I've been in and you know the things I've done wrong to people, it really, really took a toll on me i was it's almost like paying my penance the last couple of years of you know going through the grief of it that's a that's a tough thing but, yeah. but a necessary thing too like absolutely that reflection and you know sort of making amends um to people who you might have hurt i totally get absolutely that. and then that stems from my own personal journey into like the journey of others then you can never really take your own journey as the one and tell all for everybody's story right because everybody's story is so uniquely different so you've got to take your own story, put it into perspective, and then reflect, hey, what have they gone through? And how can you use your own experiences and help maybe alter the path that they're going down? Mm-hmm. And then not only between people now, then you got to look at the earth that we live on. And I mean, we are just destroying this beautiful, beautiful place. And I don't even want to touch on that because I will get angry. So We could probably do a whole uh, you know, episode on that. Yeah, um, so I'm just going to avoid that one for this current interview. But it stems into that. And like when you just see the world during COVID really complaining and then you see Amazon rainforest on fire and no one bats an eye. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's, that's our oxygen source yeah. and nobody cared. 
Yeah, it's such a it's such it, a hard thing to have to be you know with the internet, right? Where we can be inundated with that information without actually being close to it, without yep. being able to affect it in a meaningful way. And there's definitely a lot of anxiety. You Absolutely. know, I see it. I'm a classroom teacher as well, oh, and I cool. see that in some of uh, some of the students who like they're getting all this bad news and they're so removed from it that it can feel, you can feel yeah, hopeless man. It, it. It's honestly gotten to the point. I hear my friends who maybe are con- contemplating having another child or even people in my position who don't have children. It's like, is it worth it yeah. to bring a child into such a evil born place now? Like you just look around and it's just so much wrong yeah. that you can't really find the good too, too often. You know, you've got to really search for it. Yeah. Music though, right? Music is, that is an it's the one pathway man it's yeah. the one pathway back to all positive things and that's what unifies us as human as humans and that ties the whole humanitarian thing back and that's why i chose music we're going to get to that point i do want to touch very briefly on the nerd foundations because as <laughs> someone who is also you know i grew up in video games yep. i grew up watching a lot of like that you know tv and some of the nerd things like tell me about that 100 percent, the exact same thing uh first video game i ever played i should, probably shouldn't have at my age but it was mortal kombat 2 <laughs> And that's I was never I, allowed to play that. I, I wasn't either, but I snuck in my cousin's basement when I was past my bedtime and I saw, what was it, Scorpion pop somebody's head off on the spike bridge. And I was like, what is this? And then Street Fighter 2 and yeah, then progressed through, you know, the, the video games. And of course, I'm a huge anime fan. I'm an old school anime fan. So, like, you know, the Dragon Ball, the Pokemon, yeah. Digimon. Oh, yeah. Escaflone, Inuyasha. But then I recently dove back into it. And I'm like, OK, let's try with this new stuff. And I watched the first season of Attack on Titan. and I'm like, oh, they've evolved. Yeah, like they've stepped up. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I got a couple of mangas recently of stuff that I used to watch, and huge comic book fan. I still collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So nice. Yeah, I still have a deck somewhere. I got a deck. <laughs> I got to dig it. Actually, you know what? I think one of my friends has it. We were chatting about that recently. My buddy a- actually in London, he held on to all my stuff. Shout out Shane if you're listening. Um, he held on to all my stuff and him and his buddy Scott went through and they like priced all my cards and they were like <laughs> is there anything valuable in here and blah blah blah, blah. they were just like yo you'll want to check this and this and this and you know, bless their soul because I hadn't seen those couple binders for years yes. when I used to live in London so the to classic, get them back it was the classic binders you know with the uh, the card the uh, sleeves card man sleeves. it was crazy and then to get them back the, the condition they were still in I was yo my heart melted man oh that's great <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, that brings us to the artistic craft for penmanship. And I think that is going to you know, bring us back around to what you mentioned about music and that yep. being kind of the way. Um, tell me about, you know, how did you evolve your sound from you mentioned DJing and you started adding lyrics in there. What made you want to add lyrics that to it? I actually have to go back in time because I've been a creative writer since I can remember. And I remember specifically one of my assignments in grade three, my teacher, Mrs. Monteith Baring, she had said about one of my things that I truly felt that I was like, okay, this is good. I'm going to get an A plus. I felt really proud. And then she's like, nah, you can do way better. And then it was just like, what? So it challenged me. But then the next one, she came back. She was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. And from that little interaction, she became one of my favorite teachers for a long time because that pushed the the agenda for me to want to stay with my pen, stay because that was the best way I could ever express myself. Mm. Even when I got in fights with my parents, I used to write my dad letters and be like, here, read this. I'm leaving. Like, I can't talk to you. This is how I got to do it. So that eventually, when I was in high school, that evolved into poetry and I started winning class awards for like best piece and creative writing and this kind of stuff college i won a ten dollar gift card for creative writing and that kind of stuff too so it just kind of carried through and eventually i just got to the painful part of my life was like i need to get some of this hurt out right and then 
it just kind of unfolded one day. I just started writing, and trust me, it was some really poor writing at that time when it was <laughs> the first stages of rap, but that's what you got to do. You got to practice the craft. You got to hone in on what exactly you want to do and what you want to portray in your message, and once you can do that, off you go for storytelling, you know? And and I think you have to embody some of that, um, those elements that the teacher, you mentioned that te- the teacher had of like, you know, when you think something is great, you have to challenge yourself to push it to the next level. Right. Because there's not always, you know, when you get to, you know, the stage where you're out of college at a university, you're, there's not always people there who are willing to push you like that. You have Absolutely. to become that person who is pushing yourself. And it's crazy because I've never really had that self-confidence to push myself that way. And it wasn't until like, I was pretty much approaching rock bottom. And I mean, like there's a pretty painful past, a lot of different dark sided stories I could go into, but we don't need to necessarily go there. I'm pretty sure people can understand. But when you go through that, it opens a whole new thing, man. It's, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of breathtaking, but also very healing at the same time. Totally. I think everyone can, can uh, empathize with the idea of like being in a dark space and then finding some sort of a creative outlet for it or something that gives you, you know, meaning. That gives, Absolutely. That allows you to sort of see that, you know what, I can, I can pull myself And I don't even this. necessarily need to address the fact that it needs to be art, but I mean, if anybody who's listening just finds himself in a dark spot, find something you know some kind of hobby that even if at first it doesn't seem like it's worth it just stick with it because it's that one element that's taking you out of that focus space that you're in so long and eventually you'll start thinking things differently could be manga hey you never know <laughs> it's all those crazy ass fight scenes yeah Pardon my language. retro video games um do you remember the first time you considered yourself to be a lyricist honestly i don't even know if i still do yet and that's just really taking in where my inspiration comes from. And I'm talking some of the greatest, like Royce, Five Nine, King Crooked, Locksmith, um, Busta Rhymes, obviously, of course, Eminem, DMX. Like these guys are true storytelling lyricists. And I would love to be there. But then the reason why I started releasing music is the newer generation of those guys, the NF, the Dax, the Hobson, the Mercules, those kind of guys. You start hearing all these guys break out and you're like, yo, it's a whole different wave of what they're talking about, but it's the same lyricism aspect. So now I got to bring myself up to their level. You know what yeah. I mean? And I've got a lot of people saying I'm already there, but you got to feel that too for yourself. Right. And once you actually feel that next level, the game changes. You, you know, when you're there, like you are the Absolutely. only person who's able to make that decision. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. Absolutely. If you don't feel it for yourself, then it's, you know, you've got to keep pushing yourself. 100%. If you don't got your own self drive, you might as well quit while you're ahead. Is there uh, an artist that um, really you look up to for a particular reason? Like, is there something about a particular artist that you're Those like, three that I, I mentioned. What is, what is it about them? Is it, is it, it the lyricism? Or honestly, is it if at first it was Hobson. Like, 2007, I remember my buddy showed me. It was a track off his Haywire EP. And it was, I can't remember what exactly the title was. But I was like, yo, he sounds like the black Eminem. Like it was, and I, I remember that was my very first thought. And then he, at, that's the same title people gave him in the underground rap scene. So then he had his own lane. I'm like, okay, cool. Like his style is very unique, but I'm not like that. He's very raw, very vulgar with his words. I'm like, that's not me. But then I heard NF for the first time on a futuristic song. And I heard him talking about God and his lyricism. And I'm like, who's this guy? But then I didn't do my research and I should have at the time, but I didn't. So then again, moving forward, Dax came out. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. But the crazy thing about that is I actually had a meet and greet with Dax. Really? Well, uh, yes, at a show. December, where, where was that? This was in Toronto, December 5th. Um, I can't remember the, the location. But 
I had a meet and greet and I volunteered my time. I was like, yo, I will sacrifice my time if you listen to my song. And he said, sure, why not? And he said he was always one of the people. So I wanted to challenge him one on that. So thank you, Dax, for <laughs> following up and proving yourself a true guy. And second, he listened to it and he just had this disgruntled look on his face when 30 seconds came. And he was just like, oh, oh I want to keep listening. But he gave the phone back. We took our photos and then he like tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, send it to me when it's done. I'm like, it is done. He's like, send it to me when it's out. Oh, and this amazing. is Dax asking me for amazing. I literally left the club running. I was jumping in the street like, yeah. yeah. And people were like, what's this guy? Like, people thought I was a crackhead. I can like, they were looking <laughs> at me so crazy. And oh, I was, and that was the very moment everything changed. It, I mean, it was a snap of a finger. I woke up the next day. I'm like, he can do it. They did it. They took the exact same lane. My turn. And that's when January came, Murder City came out. February came, my Pound Cake remix went to YouTube. March came, and then I put out by myself in comatose. April, I had my show opening for Matt, and it just the, the domino effect just happened. Oh, amazing. And uh, did you send the, the, the song to Dax? I haven't mustered the courage yet. And you got to do it. I don't you got to do why. it. I honestly don't. I know there's probably a lot of people listening like, dude, why? And I, trust me, I get it. But yeah. I don't know, man. It was just such a monumental moment. I don't want it to just, I almost want to have that impact. Be like, yo, here, remember that? Yeah. If, almost if it was like a face-to-face -face interaction. I don't want just like, here remember me type thing i yeah. want it to be something where i could be like okay now's the time to address him about it that's an incredible story i love that it, i did the way that this thing i, I always say it goes back god works in mysterious ways yeah. and a lot, a lot of people don't have that analytic and they don't see that perspective and i didn't for a while either but i mean he never put me in harm's way where i couldn't get out mm. and he pulled me out of a really dark spot in the last couple of years so i gotta keep mentioning it yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about your first release. So Can't Do It Like Me. That hmm. was released back in uh, June 2020. Um, yes. I mean, obviously that was, we, we chatted a little bit about this, a very turbulent time for the world. That's two months after lockdowns. Yep. You know, was that song something you'd been sitting on for a while? Or was that something that kind of was birthed out that of the was, times? I think that was birthed out of the times. Before COVID actually happened, my first actual release is called War Cry on my YouTube. We don't need to bring that up, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I encourage people to uh, check it out. <laughs> however, my goddaughter absolutely loves that song and knows it word for word. And when she knew that she was five, so I guess I can take a little pride in that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. However, back to the song. Um, it was just from there. I kept hearing that you can do better. And then my musical ear hearing my own music was like, what are you doing, bro? Like you can do so much better. So then I went a different lane instead of trying to do the, the lyricism. I kind of took that melodic rap. And then I had a dance beat that I got from just a random, those clickbait beat packs that you find on Facebook or whatever that pop up on your feed. And I was like, you know what? Let me just try it. I've got nothing to lose, right? Mm -hmm. Banger pack, man. <laughs> just nothing but bangers. <laughs> I still work with that guy today. I'm actually going to do a TikTok challenge when I get off this. Anyway, so I, that song was just kind of birthed out of me trying to progress my craft. And that's all it was. And for some reason, now I go back and it's in people's playlists. It's on the it's still on Spotify release radar and it's just like I'm like okay so this has some potential so I started putting some marketing into it and people are starting to ask about it again here we are that's awesome that's great I mean it's a great a really really great tune um, and I'm wondering like so you mentioned you got the beat pack I'm really curious about this because I come from a, a band background where right. you have four people who are you know it's kind of like battle of ideas, right? You're, you're together, you're sort of saying, we could take the song this way, we could take the song this way. What about if we arrange you know, the guitar to sound like this or you know, play the drums this way? 100%. Um, 
totally different when it comes to the way that a lot of beat making is done today. 100%. Totally different than the way that a lot of like hip hop and rap music is formulated. Can yep. you like sort of take me behind the scenes and explain how something like that comes together? You find a beat pack and then how much creative control do you have over the arrangement or over, uh, you know, how the song is, is, is out there besides the lyrics? I mean, it depends on how you approach these beat packs per se, air quotes. So you have your traditional engineering, which you go in, you got a guy who makes beats, right? He starts playing his catalog. You can go through, oh, yo, what was that? You stop, you hear it, something you like, you start working together. What's this? You can tweak things because he's got the stems right in front of him. He can change anything around. Easy peasy. That's the, the standard way to do it. That's paying for studio time, right? Your second way is the way that I did it. I found beat packs, and you don't want to know how much money I've spent on these. I've got... Too many gigabytes. I've seen some of the prices on there, so I can imagine. I've seen I have too many gigabytes on, on beats. But the way that I do it is because I have the know-how of how to build a beat. I just don't have all the technical instruments, per se, the plugins and the side chaining and all that to make the beats pop the way that they can. I'm learning that stuff now. But from the time that I started, I've been buying these beat packs. And, you know, they're hit and miss, obviously. You can't control what comes in them. But that's the thing that's beautiful about creativity is that something will hit you at a certain time and you'll feel the beat, say it's a boom bap 90s, just slow, wavy. You want to throw some like Dre songs. You want to throw some Snoop, a little bit of old school Tup type of Snoop, sorry, and Tupac type of flow. But then you'll have the new modern stuff with the heavy 808s and you'll hear the drill, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, it goes all over the place. So one day I was just sitting there, you know, I felt that can't do it like me beat. The next time I was on something really grungy and heavy and, <laughs> you know, I tried doing something very lyrical. It's called Technical Weapon. It's unreleased. It's kind of finished, but not really. But, you know, and then you just kind of go through the, you can go back in time. And I have beatbacks from 2020 that I still listen to now and go through and I'll find a beat and start writing to it. Ah, so cool. It's such an interesting way of, uh, of doing that. And you, I feel like you could just hop around so much and, you know, do a lot of genre hopping, do a lot of like, you know, sort of dipping your toes into different musical styles. That's yeah. an interesting way of, uh, of approaching things. And the crazy thing is every producer is different, right? So you're yeah. not going to get the same type of sound every single time. Exactly. If you go to the same producer, then you obviously you can expect to get the same type of wave, but you start jumping around. Like I use Amino Domini. I use Legion Beats, Wishmaster. Uh, now I'm starting to get into Kato. Um, yeah, so those are the four guys that I kind of go between. And then they work with other guys, Billy Big Shot. And I've got some other guys that they've brought in, Don P and Scar's Face and that kind of stuff. It, it's crazy. So everybody's got their own flow. They've got their own vibe. And next thing you know, you're rocking to somebody you didn't even know was there. And you just go into the details of who made it. And then you go research them online and you go to their store and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I mean, speaking of rocking out to things, let's, uh, let's take a listen to some music and rock out to that. Let's go. We are first going to hear uh, Can't Do It Like Me. Uh, which is your, vibes. your first song on uh, on Spotify. And then after that, um, I'd like you to uh, let us know what would be a good song that's an entry point into the Sincere uh, discography. What do you think would be a good song for us? Perfect. Uh, definitely Murder City. That is the one that is carrying me right now. That's the one everybody knows that has come to my show. And for those who haven't and that are listening that may be just hearing me for the first time, it's not your average rap, so just get ready to, you know, Ooh. buckle into your seats. And it's a lot of anger that came out. And that was actually inspired by a Dax song. So I'll let you know which one after you hear it. Sounds good. Well, I'm strapped in here. We're going to hear Can't Do It Like Me and then Murder City by Sincere here on Local Music Live.
From the airport, and I won't make a deal, no conquer. Hope I'm worthy of attention, only need a couple minutes. Yeah. A moment of your time, if you can't afford. I see you with your friends, think up, let's make a band. And head on to the center of the dance floor. That's where my people party, come on and let's go get rowdy. And let our bodies speak, like we miss the introduction. Without moving in our feet, picking up the discussion. Breaking down the one, two, the other one, two session. Let the energy flourish, be buzzing with blood rushing. Take our private seats in the VIP. Everything all juicy like the B.I.G. Living out our fantasy, that's beyond me. Welcome to the winner circle, we can be early. Show up to the club, never slow to high speed. They can't do it like me. Stuntin' while I'm buzzing, never fly as can be. You can't do it like me. Stepping in my shell toes, am I leaving hell? Nah, cause I wanna freak white me. Stepping on the rooms and open longer than three. The clock, it's almost midnight. The dance floor taking off like we caught up in mid flight. Shifting up the party, all gas right. Let's go hit up the bar. Bartender, she hit my car. It's feeling like we winning with our hands up to the ceiling. Feeling on ourselves like we winning the millions. Couple shots, while we turn up in the building. Might as well be a casino the way I be dealing. Yeah, bottoms up, we reaching the main feature. DJ rocking ether for the meters to reach her. A handy leader greeting for the house party dreamers. Looking for the one at the end of the night. So let's pick up the speed, throttle bruising the highway Moving through the gear, switching up with the drive train Nobody even here, see the end until sky breaks Now all my people cheers, that's how we live when it's my way Show up to the club, never slow to high speed You can't do it like me Stuntin' while I'm buzzing, never fly as can be You can't do it like me Stepping in my shell toes, am I leaving hell now? Cause I wanna freak white me Okay. Yeah.